Let's pray. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us. Lord, as we talk about these, uh, these topics ahead of us this morning, I pray that you would be with me. Father, just guide my heart, guide my mind, my thoughts. And Father, I pray your wisdom, and I pray for your direction in Jesus' name. The process of life is dynamic, it's fluid, it's ever-changing, it's constantly on the move. Nothing in our life sits still very long, and it requires a constant maintenance and adjustments, and most of the time relatively minor, but every once in a while we get a pretty major change that comes along in our life that we have to think about and we have to, we have to be concerned about. And it's really no different than everything else in life that we have, our cars, our homes, our, our boats, whatever we have, we have to maintain it. So I want to talk about some of the maintenance issues of life. Our landscaping and around our houses need to be trimmed and manicured, and even the shrubs. Sometimes they need to be replaced. Sometimes they get too old. Sometimes they get too big. Our grass needs to be cut. Our houses need a lot of maintenance, and work needs to be done around them. There's just constantly things to do. Our furniture sometimes needs to be replaced or restored or refinished. Constantly something to do. So today I want to talk about the refinishing process, the refinishing process of life, of our material things, and of our spiritual life. Because, you know, we have things in our spiritual life that need to be maintained in very much the same fashion as in our physical things. And we're going to talk about that today because that's a very important process and we need to understand it. Most of the time, our spiritual processing, our spiritual refinishing is pretty simple. Once we become a Christian and once we have that Jesus in our heart and our lives, most of the time it's just a matter of a tweak here and there. It's just a, a check in our spirit to say, okay, let's tighten up this area or let's move a little bit closer to that area. Let's maybe get a little bit whole, more holy in this area. Most of the time it's pretty minor. But every once in a while God says, you know what, it's time for an overhaul. It's time to kind of wipe it clean a little bit here and kind of let's go for a clean new start because I have something more in store for you that a little tweak won't do. Maybe a little major, maybe a, a pretty significant change of lifestyle. Maybe a change of vocation. Maybe a change that comes that maybe you're not even asking for. But we need to talk about that. The, the refinishing process um, is always, always a multi-step process. It's never a one-shot deal. There's always multiple steps in it, and it always takes time. Something that doesn't happen, um, it just doesn't happen overnight. You just don't wake up one morning and see yourself to be the different person or the different situation. It's always a process of time and effort on your part as well as God's part. It requires patience and perseverance, and you can't cut too many corners. You start cutting corners when you start changing things and start changing some of the maintenance cycles in, in what you're doing. You're going, to, you're going to risk a lot of things if you start cutting corners. If you don't change your oil in your car often enough, if you don't uh, do some major uh, maintenance in your vehicles, you could risk blowing an engine. And there are some things you just don't shortcut. The process also doesn't last forever. That's important for us to know what some of these characteristics of the, of the refinishing process are, is that they do, the process itself doesn't last forever. And thank goodness that it doesn't last forever because sometimes the process can be a little bit difficult. It can be hard. It can be a little painful. But the process is always shorter than the end. It's always shorter than the end. Life is much larger and much longer 
than this life-changing process. So it comes, it, something happens, you need, to, you need to react to it, and then the process will work itself into a lifestyle. And that lifestyle then becomes easier and easier and easier as you have made those changes that are required. When the, when the process or when the refinishing process is done correctly, when it's done right, it yields a high-quality, long-lasting finish, something that will be built on, something that you can build other things on, something that other people can build around as well. And one other thing about the process is that it's absolutely necessary. If God wants to change you, then you need to change. It's absolutely necessary. Um, and you just have to go through it. Now the process, some things are more obvious than others when it needs to be changed or processed. I have a photograph that I want to show you of a house. And I want to ask you a question. Does that need to be repainted? Yes? Yeah. I would say that's a pretty obvious choice, that that house has to be repainted. Now, when you were to, if you were to paint that house, what would you do? What's the steps that you would do in that house? Would you just take a white paint, can of paint and start brushing it on the house? Would you just, well, Uncle would, would you just, <laughs> would you just start throwing it on? Because the only reason I know this is because I saw Laura look at him and, and looked at him and said, you'd do that. So that's the only reason I know is because Aunt Lori said that he would. So that's why I know that. But no, I mean, if you were going to refinish this house, you would go through the process of stripping the old paint off first, wouldn't you? I mean, you would take it down to the very basic paint because yesterday we were walking, weren't we, Chris, over in Leland, and uh, we saw this house that probably at one time looked about like that, and they stripped, they, they repainted it, and they stripped all the obvious flakes off, but like where you have paint like this right here and no paint like that, if you don't get that paint off and you paint over that, it's not going to be a smooth finish. It's going to be a finish with some bumps in it because you're going to have paint on top of existing paint and then paint on top of wood, and it's not going to be smooth, and you're going to have a lot of bumps on that, on that surface, and it's just not going to look good. So the only way to finish this is to strip it completely bare. This is a major remodel. This is a major work effort right here on this house. And so we want to talk about what does that old finish mean? And how do we get it off? And what does that have to do with a sermon? What it has to do with is that's my life. And that's your life. That's how it was before you saw Jesus. See, it was very obvious to Christ that that was my life on cracked paint. <laughs> that was my life when, before I became a Christian. And so what the Lord had to do on that is really get pretty serious with this renovation project and pretty serious with this, with this process of called refinishing. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. You can take that off. You can leave it up, Larry. I don't really care. It's kind of a nice picture. But it certainly reminds us of ourself. See, people have, what is this old finish on people? We have a lot of stuff that encapsulates us or, or, or just um, sticks to us, that consumes us. And it has to be stripped off before God can do any work in our lives. What are some of those areas that, that we're talking about? We have, we have old habits, and we have lifestyles, and we have teachings and beliefs that need to be straightened out. 
we have some things in our life that really maybe aren't right. Maybe, we, a lot, maybe a lot of these things are traditions that we've established over time that maybe aren't biblical. Maybe there's some things we need to get straightened around a little bit. Maybe we have some stuff that it's just because we've always done it this way. We've always done it this way. Therefore, the new way can't be right because we've always done it this way. Well, we're going to challenge some of that today. Getting the old finish off is painful and it can be dangerous. Because when I, have to add, when I take that finish off, I've got to get a pretty aggressive scraper. And I've got to scrape hard on that surface. And I may even have to use some caustic chemicals. I may, have to, I may even have to use some stripping agents. And it's hard work. And nothing easy about stripping that paint off that house. Now, what's, what's easy is the flakes. What's hard is what's still adhered. Do you have any flakes in your life that pop off pretty easy? Well, then, do you have any of those areas in your life that are just stuck to you, that you just can't quite get off? Those are the ones that are hard, but, you know, you have to get them off. You can't just resurface over that. If you resurface over that, what's going to happen? It's going to leave bumps. Or worse yet, it's going to peel off. You have to get down where you're into the bare wood. It's going to take some effort. And it's going to be hard. Some of those old habits that we have, some of those lifestyles, some of those bad choices, some of those traditions, some of that old way of thinking, it's going to take a lot of hard work to get rid of that stuff. And then maybe when you do that, maybe you've caused a little damage that has to be repaired. You might have to get some old wood caulk or some wood putty and some caulk and maybe you have to, to, to fix it up a little bit. Brian's a painter. He knows. It's, you just don't go ahead and do this easy, do you, Brian? It takes a lot of work. In fact, probably you spend more time on the refinishing or on the stripping side than you do on the finishing side. There it is. 85% prep work is a good paint job. So you have to spend a lot of time. And here, here if, if, if you're like me, I don't like to do the prep stuff. I would just soon throw the white paint on and just keep on going and let the stuff be buried underneath it. But that's not smart. So when God takes a look at my life and he takes a look at your life, he's not just wanting to whitewash it. He's not wanting to just come and throw another coat of paint on it and say, well, you're good. No, he's not. What he wants to do, he understands how important the prep time is. And he understands how important it is that we get off the stuff. We get off the habits. We get off the preconceived ideas. We get off the issues of how we want to read the Bible. We want to pick out those sections in the Bible that make us happy without understanding what the true gospel is. And do you know the true gospel is offensive? If somebody comes to you and says, you're a sinner, that's kind of offensive, isn't it? But if somebody didn't tell you that you were a sinner that had to be white, that had to be cleaned up, that had to be, had get that sin out of your life, it would be no different than taking a paintbrush and, getting over, and, and just painting over top of this house. It wouldn't last. So the, the, the gospel is offensive. And if you're offended by it, then you still have hope because you can change. It's when you're not offended by it anymore, then you probably are in deep problems, deep water. Because there will come a time in your life if you don't give in, if you don't surrender. There will come a time in your life where, where God says that he will give you over to your reprobate mind. And his, his voice and his calling will stop. Now, I know this is hard, but you know what? It needs to be hard. 
This is some of the hard prep work that has to be done in our lives. And even as old, mature Christians, people have been around a time, we develop our habits, we develop our line, our way of thinking, the way we've always done it. Well, we need to stir it up a little bit. We need to let God come in and say, all right, Lord, if you want to restore my life, I'm going to give you the authority to do it. I'm going to take my hands off it, Lord, and I'm going to give you the authority to, up, to upset my apple cart here a little bit for my benefit. So it can be hard. It can be offended. It can be roughed up. The wood grain, when something like this happens, when you go after this, uh, you've offended that wood grain a little bit. You're going to raise the grain a little bit on that wood grain. And, and if it was a house like this, you probably would let it go. But now let's assume you're putting on a fine piece of furniture. Now, when that wood grain is really roughed up, you're probably going to have to sand it down a little bit. And you're going to have to do some more prep work on it and, and sand it and, and make the finish a little bit smoother so that it will look a little nicer when you put that next coat of stain on it. So you have to continue with the prep work. And, you know, after you get it, it might take a couple coats of stain or a couple other uh, coats of the protective covering, what, what, what you're putting on it. And, you know, this is where, when it comes to our spiritual life, that this is where it's not a one-time deal. That is that when we have God work in our hearts and our lives, it's, it's not a one-time deal. It's, it's, it's many experiences with the Holy Spirit. It's not just, I'm going to be filled with the Holy Spirit when I'm 12. Because I was. But that wasn't enough. That was enough for the day. But then I turned 15 and 16 and 25. And I still made mistakes. Now I'm 51. I still make mistakes. I need the Holy Spirit on a constant basis. I need to continually be, be coding my life with the Holy Spirit. And so do you, by the way. I'm not the only one in this room that, uh, that's being preached at today because this is uh, clearly a very important thing to do. The stripping process is humbling. It's time-consuming. It's difficult. It's absolutely necessary. If the old finish is bad and crumbling and cracking and dirty, just painting over it is not the solution. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 9, verses 16 through 19. He talks about a wineskin. He talks about an old garment of cloth. He says that in uh, chapter 9, verses 16, it says, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Anybody, any seamstresses in here? Anybody know what, anybody can, anybody apply this? Is this true? Yeah, I, I think if Grandpa Wade was in here, he darned a lot of stuff. <laughs> a lot of socks, a lot of pants. He had all kinds of patches on stuff. I think he would have been better to throw them away and just get new, but um, that was that generation. Continuing on then, neither do men pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. Now, what in the world is a wineskin? That is so much out of our culture today. I, do, does anybody have a wineskin? <laughs> do you keep your water? Do you keep your pop? Do you keep your wine in a wineskin? Let's go with the pop. <laughs> no, we don't. But wineskins are really what they are today. They're called broken jars. That was what they stored their liquids in. That was something that we don't even want to talk about where that wineskin came from because it will gross you out. It came from a part of an animal. And a lot of times it was their stomach and they were in the intestines and they would take and they would, they would tan them and they would process them and then they would use them to store their fluids because they didn't have plastic. 
or glass bottles. So that's what they stored their stuff in. So that's why this, this made a lot of sense to those people in that day. Today we talk about we don't put, uh, we don't put our liquids in a cracked jar because it's going to run out and we're going to waste it. Rather, what we do is we, we get new jars. We get new containers. And what Jesus is saying here is that if you're going to um, put new things, new life into our life, he said, I need to make you new. I need to restore you. Before I'm going to dump my spirit into you, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to make you a new man, a new woman. I'm going to give you a new set of values. But here's the key, is that Jesus is the one that gives us the values. It's not me making up my own. That's like putting that, that, that patch on an, on an old garment. That's like I'm going to make it up myself. I'm going to make my own theory. I'm going to make my own theology up. I'm going to make my own feel-good message up. And I'm going to patch it on these pair of pants and I'm going to wear it only until the time where I sit down at the wrong time when that patch rips because it's my theology. Same thing with that wineskin. If you want it to last, then it has to be new and it has to be God-given new. Not mine. Not my own ideas. Because my ideas don't make any difference when it comes to heaven. When I get to that day, like we talk quite often about our target up here, when I get to that day and then Jesus says, Mike, what did you do? At that point, I hope, that I was had, I, hope I had a new wineskin. I hope I wasn't putting my patches on my pants. I hope I was letting him do the work in my life. Because if I'm basing, if I'm basing that answer on what I was doing or what I thought I was supposed to do versus what the Word of God said or good, solid Bible teaching was going to do, I'm going to be very disappointed. Very disappointed forever because he is going to cast me out. This is the offensive part of the gospel. This is not a feel-good, just smile in church and everybody's happy and you're going to go to heaven. I'm sorry, it's not, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. We have to allow God to work it out in our life. You know, I have a little experience with wood next door because we did a lot of um, planing on the veneers, and we used a, a, a high-speed planer. And that high-speed planer um, does a nice job. In fact, it does too good of a job because that, that cutter knife is spinning at 16,000 RPMs, and it hits the wood so hard when it's spinning that it takes the sugar in the wood and it crystallizes it, and when it crystallizes it, it closes the pores of the wood. It gives a nice smooth finish. It looks really nice. Nice, smooth finish. But when I go to put stain on it, it doesn't absorb. So the protective coating that I'm going to put over top of that wood is held on top by the mill glaze. And if I want that stain to last, if I want that to really protect the wood, I need to open the pores up a little bit. I need to roughen it up a little bit, and I need to open the pores. And if I don't, then I just have a, I'm just putting a film build on, and that it looks really good for a while. I mean, it's, it's, it's furniture quality. It's stuff that if it was going to be inside, it would be here forever because inside it, doesn't, it will last forever inside because you don't have the sun. But when I put the, the abrasive and, and the very damaging UV rays of the sun on that, if it's just a surface coating, it will crack and it will, now, it will not protect the wood. And I will have a problem. So what I have to do now is that we've changed our process. And now we use a different cutting system and we don't do the same way. And what it really does is it opens the pores up as it's doing the cutting. It gives the same look, but it's much more protective. 
Does this remind you of a parable maybe that Jesus might have told his, his disciples about a seed and, 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 a, and a farmer planting seed in the soil? You know, we have to prepare our hearts to receive the seed. If, if we're going to let the mill glaze of life overcome us, and if we're just going to be uh, coming to church services and, and when we have Bible teaching opportunities, kind of be here but not really be here, just kind of let the thing kind of bounce off, and, you know, the old pitchfork method, it's for somebody else, boom, and give them the message over to your, to your spouse, your mill glazed over. And you're not prepared, your heart's not prepared to receive the word. So it's important that we, we prepare our hearts, just like, that, just like when that, that seed is planted on the soil, it has to have good, solid, um, fertile soil, so that seed will take root, a deep root, and not that the birds of the air will eat it, and nor will the, 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 the pressures of life choke it out. Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 through 8. This is a parable. Most of us know it. But for those that don't, I just want to read it to you so that you, so that you can have an opportunity to hear about it. He said, then he told them many parables. This is Jesus talking. You know, it's important when Jesus talks, you better listen. A farmer went out to sow his seeds. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly but because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. And then skip to verses, verses 18 to 23. This is Jesus explaining now to his disciples what that parable means. He says, Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecutions comes, because of the word, he quickly falls away. Let's talk about that just for a second. I know a lot of people that come to church, and they're here for a little while, and then all of a sudden they're gone. And they don't show up anymore. I think classic example of the seed that comes in quickly grows, they get excited. And then it talks, but isn't it interesting to, say, to, to read it, and it says that the man... Um, when trouble or persecution come because of the word, <laughs> there's that offensive gospel again. Because of the word, a person that knows Christ and he goes out into the world about him, because of that change, he may receive some persecution. His friends may not receive him the way they used to. And he gets that persecution from his friends and all of a sudden he says, you know what, this isn't for me. I'm sorry, I, I can't handle this. He's not prepared. He's not, he's not, he hasn't taken time yet to, let that, to, to really prepare the soil. And it happens to many people, and he, then they fall away. The one who receives the seed that fell among the thorns is a man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it out, making it unfruitful. Again, here's the old man. He gets, he gets excited. He goes out, and he, he, the seed starts to grow but then so do the problems, or so do the blessings. Think about that. 
Think, he, he was blessed so much that the, the blessings, the wealth, choked out the seed. Anybody see any application of life here besides me? Anybody see it? I know you do. Here's an opportunity then that when we're, sometimes it's easier to be persecuted and to go through hard times because the hard times keep you, keep you uh, tuned in. And then when the blessings come and, and the smooth sailing comes, you know what, sometimes we get lazy because we don't think we need God anymore. Now the point of all these illustrations is to show us that we need to allow God. We need to properly prepare our hearts to receive God's word, his sound teaching, and we need to develop our own personal prayer life and our own personal Bible study. You know, um, when we start having these changes in our life, there are people, it's, it's hard to believe, uh, when the next few things I'm going to say can be maybe confusing, so kind of follow if you will. But not everybody wants a change in your life. Not everybody wants to see you change. Clearly the devil doesn't. Clearly the devil does not want you to change because he likes you where you're at if you're, if you're not a vibrant, hard-working Christian person. He likes you where you're at. And quite honestly, there's going to be people in your life that also may not like the changes. And it's kind of surprising who those people are. They may be the closest ones to you. If, I am, if, I, if the Lord grabs me or grabs you and just changes you completely, turns you around and makes you a different person, that can be intimidating for those people around you because maybe they don't really want you to change. Maybe they like you where you were at because they knew how to deal with you. Or maybe they saw you, they knew you so well that they saw your bad habits and they saw your old lifestyle and they said, you know, I, I don't believe this guy can change. I, I don't believe it. Therefore, I'm not going to allow him to. Or maybe they're offended because they're not changing and you are. There's a lot of reasons that come around us when people, when you start to change and people around you don't want to, they don't want you to change. So understand what that is. And now how do you deal with that? Do you argue with people? Do you say, oh, no, no, God has changed me. And if, you know, and, and if, if, let me tell you, if you have to defend it, then you haven't been changed. If you have to verbally go out and argue somebody with God's love in your life and say, no, I've been changed, then you haven't been changed. <laughs> the change comes when they see it. The change comes when you live it out. The change comes when they can't argue it because they see it. So if you are in that process of change and if you do see some resentment or something building up, don't argue it with the people. Pray more about it. Get more diligent in it. Let your life become more saturated in it. Remember, this change process takes time. It takes effort. And it takes a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of working of the process. So keep going with it. And, and you know what? The, the, the major change that you're going to find is that when you start the fruit of the Spirit, which is what we have on our posters up here, which is love, joy, peace, patience, uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, when those start popping up in your life, that's good seed. That is the proof. And therefore, there's no question about it. And you just keep moving on. So when God starts to take off this finish, 
Understand it can be hard. Understand it can take some time. It can be painful. You have a choice. You have a choice in everything that God does in your life, by the way. You can either get bitter or you can get better. You can either get bitter because God is allowing some things in your life that are challenging you a little bit, or you can get better. The choice is all about your attitude. It's all about your attitude about how things are, are working out in your life, how things are working. So there's a lot of choices here that we have to make, a lot of personal integration here that you have to make. And, you know, I think that one of the most important things about the change process is the time issue. I talked a little bit morning about the relationship side of things. You know, um, this is the crux of the whole matter right here. If this is all you get of your worship and your Bible study and your time spent with God on Sunday mornings, it's not enough. It's not enough. I can't develop a relationship with anybody in an hour a week. And if you really want that change process in your life, you have to spend time with God. Because it takes time for the stain to settle in. It takes time for that coating to, to, to dry or to soak in. So as we get ready to close this morning, I want to encourage you with that process of time and how important it is that we let it settle in our heart. See, we spend an awful lot of time maintaining our physical things. We spend an awful lot of time maintaining our homes, our cars, our grass, our lawns, whatever it is. We spend an awful lot of time doing that. How much time do you spend maintaining your spiritual life? How much time? you spend in that refinished process? The, when, when the question is asked of you, Mike, when it's asked of me, Mike, Jesus says, what did you do with your life? Is he going to ask me um, how many times I washed and waxed my car? Is he going to ask me how, uh, how I took care of my house? How many times did I put new carpeting in my house? How many times did I uh, change the oil in my car? Here's the point. It, th those are important things to do, by the way. That's called being a good steward. And, and we are not. Just because we're Christians doesn't mean we're, we're supposed to let our houses run down and not maintain our, our, our stuff. I'm not saying that at all. That's not my point. So don't, don't this. Make sure you understand that. What I'm trying to say, though, what I'm trying to emphasize here is that we spend all kinds of time maintaining the things that are temporary. And the things that are eternal, we don't give them much thought. Now, isn't that scary? Doesn't that kind of make you a little nervous inside to think that I am I'm spending all this time on something that's going to burn? Something that when I take my last breath here and my first breath in eternity... The size of my house means absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. What, it, what matters is who did I invite into my house? Who did I feed into my house? What did I do with my other resources? Who did I pick up alongside of the road with my car? How did I use my vehicles? How did I use the things that God gave me?
It's not how did I take care of them, even though that's important to do and you need to take care of things. But what did you do with them? How much time are you spending on your spiritual life? How much time do you just sometimes just stop and pray? Now, I'm not sure if this is happening in my life now because of, I, I, because of what's happening across the street, across the field, I should say, or because I'm a pastor now. But I tell you, I've been a Christian for a long time. But I haven't really understood a relationship with Jesus until the last two or three years. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit since I was a young boy. I did some things I shouldn't have done in the middle. I got rebaptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 30s. I've been living my life for God for the last 25 years. But you know what? It's not enough. It's not enough. I could go through my day, I could go through my life fooling myself that I was doing it all right. I was a Christian man. I tithed. I was an elder in my church. I was a clerk. I was a treasurer. I treated my family well. I raised my kids well. But you know what? I didn't have that closeness of that relationship with Jesus because I didn't spend time with him. I was too busy. Busy, busy, busy. <laughs> busy, busy, busy. Take one of the busies out. I heard that at the flap the other day. It's kind of cute. Take one of the busies out and rest, imagine how much time you'd have. So you're just busy, busy. Not busy, busy, busy. But seriously, though, if, if this is the only time you think of God, then I'm telling you, I'm going, to make, I'm going to get a little offensive here because I need to for your benefit. Because if, you do, if, if this is all the time you spend with God, he's going to throw you out. He's going to say you're lukewarm. Or he's going to say, I never knew you in the beginning. Because you just can't play the game. You have to get in and understand who Jesus is. He's more important than what I have. He's who I am. And if I don't accept him for who he is in my life, I, I really wish this room was full today. I, I really wish every seat was filled here today, not to hear me, but to hear the call of God. I just can't imagine that day. I just can't imagine what it's going to be like for people. And I hope not me. Oh, I pray to God, not me. I, I want to do whatever I can do, Father, to please you while I'm here because I really want to hear him say, well done, Mike. So that's why I make the call as hard as I make the call today because you need to have it in your life. Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Again, if Jesus is talking, you better listen. He said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? 
Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Oh, I know a lot of people that are really successful. I know a lot of people that don't have a problem in the world when it comes to finances. Mm. But do they know Jesus? I mean, what else is there, people? Uh, what else is there? Christian man, Christian woman, be praying. Be praying for those that need to hear the voice of the Lord. Do what you need to do to get to them. Where are you this morning in this process of life? Are you allowing God to refinish you? Are you like that picture of that house? Where are you? If you'd close your eyes. In fact, if you'd stand with me and close your eyes. And I want to ask you another question, too, because I know most of us here are Christians today, so this may not be a big appeal to many people. But yet at the same time, it's always appropriate to measure yourself when it says, where am I in the process? But let me ask you another question. Are you allowing people around you to change? Are you holding anybody back? Or are you allowing the process to happen in their lives like it should be happening in your life? And if you're holding them back, are you holding them back because why? A couple of questions here, but they all come back to our own personal choices. You know, one of the things that I really pray that happens in this church, um, I, I like to feel good. I do. I like that feel-good feeling. But I also want to make sure that we um, teach and preach here things that go beyond this walls, these walls. And so that you feel good here, but I hope you're challenged so that comes tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, you're still thinking about what we're talking about on Sunday. I don't want it to have just something here that we walk in and say, well, we feel good and go home because that's not enough. If you're not praying, if you're not reading the Bible, if you're not studying, if you're not thinking about God throughout the week, that's not enough. You have to. There's no choice here. You have to. You have to. Are you? But if you're one of the Christians here that are saying, no, I'm okay, I don't need that anymore because I've, that already happened to me once or twice, and that's great, but are you really, really, really living it out? Or do you need to do you, do you need to fine tune your prayer life? Do you need to maybe make some changes in the way you're spending time with God? Are you praying enough? Uh, that's an easy question. The answer is no. No, none of us are. But are but are you working at it? Are you giving it your best shot? Are you working at it? Are you spending time with God, a quality time? With every eye closed. If you want, if you need to have your life changed by God today, would you lift your hand? Show me. Show God. I see those hands. Thank you. I see those. We all need them changed. Everybody's hands should be up in all honesty. But I understand. It's okay. We all need to have that continual change in our life. But now, how much, how, how much work are you willing to put into it? If, it? if it stops when you walk out this door...
Father, I just ask you now to do your work in the lives of us. Lord, I give you the authority in my life to refinish me. Lord, take me down to the wood. Take me down, Father, where there is nothing adhered to in my life. Strip me bare, Father, so that you can refinish me the way you want me to be finished. There is nothing, Lord, in my life that I want to hold on to, Lord, that that I don't want you to be there for in that process. Lord, it doesn't make me perfect. It doesn't make me be the ultimate man, Lord, because I'm not. But, Lord Jesus, I, I, I want you to work in my life. I give you the power. I give you the authority. I turn my life over to you. And I ask you today, if you're willing to say the same prayer, would you just come to the front and let's just close up here in a word of prayer. If that's your prayer, I don't want everybody to come if that's not your prayer. But if that's what you're praying, if that's what you want in your life, I know this is tough, this is offensive, but I just feel this is the way I need to end it today. I need to ask you to make a decision today. I need for you to know where you're at today. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you this day for those that have come forward. Lord, and I pray that you would just work in their lives. Lord, and in our lives. Lord, that this message is not just for this moment. But, Lord, that it goes beyond the walls of this church into the lives of the people. And, Lord, I pray that it was none of this was done for show. Because I, I don't even care who came forward, but I love them all. Lord, it's not about people being in front of people. It's the relationship we need to have with you, Father. It's the quiet time when nobody knows I'm praying. When nobody knows that I'm doing what I'm doing. That's what's important. It doesn't make any difference what I look like in front of men. So, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be tuned to that. And I pray that that refinishing process would go right down, I pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you. Now, I pray, Lord, that as we sing this song and then for those that want to stay and pray, you're welcome to if you want to just dedicate your life again. And, and let him know that you, that you are making him the Lord, <laughs> the king of your life. The king of your life. Not a king, but the king in Jesus' name. Let's sing that song, Jackie. Hallelujah. Thank you. Oh, Lord, you're
Father, just give us a good day today as we go to our homes. Thank you, Father, for ministering to us today in our lives. Let this settle in and soak in, I pray in Jesus' name. And let you be pleased. That you be pleased, Father. We live according to your will, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father. You're blessed today as you go. you home.